This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome. On today's program, we're going to attempt to do a little bit of follow-up, I think, on some things we've talked about before, which I suppose is not a change from our usual modus operandi. We normally start the program with on this date in history. I think we must modify that slightly because something that we should talk about happened 50 years ago this week, although not specifically today. Our day today is January 29th, but it was in fact on January 24th, 50 years ago, 1965, that Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill, the British leader who guided Great Britain and the Allies through the crisis of World War II, died in London at the age of 90. So for today's show, I think we need to commemorate that anniversary by doing a little bit of, uh, well, doing some extensive quoting, quipping, joking, and maybe an actual audio tape from the late, great Sir Winston. But before we do that, let's talk about some things that actually took place on January 29th. It was on January 29th in 1886 that the German manufacturer Carl Benz earned a patent for his three-wheeled motor wagon, the first practical internal combustion vehicle ever constructed. Five years later on this date, January 29th, 1891, following the death of her brother, King Kalakaua, Liliuokalani became the last monarch of the Hawaiian Islands. Sadly, just two years later, with the help of the U.S. Marines, Sanford B. Dole and his, quote, Committee of Safety, unquote, removed Queen Liliuokalani from her throne. The beginning of how it was that the Hawaiian Islands became first a U.S. territory and eventually a U.S. state. The Queen was quite an accomplished figure. Among her accomplishments was the composition of Aloha Oi, which I think we'll use for our bumper music, Mr. McMillan. I guess it's the unofficial theme song of Hawaii, or certainly should be. Not Tiny Bubbles? <laughs> yes, note for a runner-up, we would consider Don Ho's Tiny Bubbles <laughs> to be number two. Yay! Like I mentioned on this show some point years ago that while visiting Hawaii back in the 90s, I did get a chance to see the immortal Don Ho in the flesh in Honolulu, and I'm glad I did. And yes, he did do Tiny Bubbles. Tiny Bubbles Make a note, Mr. Miller, we need to bring Gary B. Salen on this program to talk a little bit about some Hawaiian music and things we're talking about right now. And it was on January 29th in 1964 that the American director Stanley Kubrick's black comedy masterpiece, Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, opened in theaters. The movie, if you haven't seen it, focuses on the action of a rogue U.S. officer who orders U.S. bombers to launch an atomic attack against the Soviet Union. And you know, that's just too good of a movie to pass up the opportunity to play a clip from it, probably in our third segment. And from the It Seems Like Only Yesterday file, we have this. On January 29th, 1967, the Mamas and the Papas topped the American music charts with Words of Love. A wonderful tune, which I believe made NPR's selection of 100 notable musical compositions of the 20th century. Words of love. 
All right, and finally, it was on January 29th. Now, this is a bit of a trivial bit, but I just can't resist it. January 29th in 1980, legendary American comedian Jimmy Durante, nicknamed Schnazola for his notable proboscis, died in Santa Monica at the age of 97. Jimmy Durante was a great entertainer, and I want to compliment one of my fellow KDVS music DJs for playing a selection from Mr. Durante some weeks back on this station. I believe it was Smile, and I believe I complimented the DJ on it, but right now I'm vague on the details. So, uh, whoever it was, refresh my memory on this one, will you? Among his other notable achievements were the great quote, I'm surrounded by assassins, and the fact that he appeared in the silver screen with Shirley Temple, who we need to talk a little bit about around Oscar time. But anyway, let's go back to uh, Winston Churchill and start off with some quotes, quips, and jokes. Mr. Miller, why don't you start off with that clip that we found uh, among my CD collection. This features Prime Minister Churchill addressing the nation early in World War II as things are not going well. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be freed and the life of the world may move forward into broad, sunlit upland. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duty and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealths last for a thousand years, men will still say, this was their finest hour. All right, let's do more quotes from Winston Churchill. Said Winston, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And a politician needs the ability to foretell what is going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, and even next year. And who have the ability afterwards to explain why it didn't happen. And Russia is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. And it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except all the others that have been tried. And meeting Franklin Roosevelt was like opening your first bottle of champagne. Knowing him was like drinking it. Now let's edge into what are more like quips. The length of this document defends it well against the risk of it being read. And, and I wish I could remember who it was he was referring to when he said this, he has all of the virtues I dislike and none of the vices I admire. And never hold discussions with the monkey when the organ grinder is in the room. And history will be kind to me, for I intend to write it. And the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. All right, let's segue into his jokes. How about this one? My most brilliant achievement was my ability to be able to persuade my wife to marry me. And I am fond of pigs. Dogs look up to us. 
Cats look down on us. Pigs treat us as equals. And finally, a legendary exchange which took place, I believe, at a party. Lady Nancy Astor said, Winston, if you were my husband, I'd poison your tea. To which Churchill replied, Nancy, if I were your husband, I'd drink it. All right. I apologize for the poor Winston Churchill impression, but I think we needed to spend a little time commemorating a great life with uh, some great quotes. He was famous for them. All right, but let's do uh, let's do one non-Churchill joke, I think, to get back on track here. This one comes from the writers for Jimmy Kimmel, who noted that A-Rod, that is Alex Rodriguez, has reportedly been training with none other than Barry Bonds to prepare for the upcoming baseball season. Said Kimmel, they're either training together or forming a league of baseball supervillains. I'm not sure which. Our stat of the day is that here in Sacramento, we are on track to set the record for the least rain in any January ever. The previous record holder was 0.07 inches in 2007. So far this month, we've had 0.01 inches. Of course, that depends on what this latest little bit of moisture brings us, but uh, wow. Back in December, we were three months ahead of the seasonal norm. We have now fallen behind by almost an inch. Our anecdote of the day is as follows. A 21-year-old Norwegian man has been fined $980 because he accepted a contract killing job despite having no intention of carrying out the hit. Yes, apparently police in Norway said the man admitted he'd been paid $4,000 to kill a 17-year-old who had rejected his 21-year-old client's romantic advances, but officers couldn't prove the the alleged hitman was serious about killing the teen. So all they could charge him with was only defrauding the client. For his part, the man accepted the fraud charge and paid the fine. And no, Mr. Millen, I'm unaware of whether it is or is not against the law in Norway to hire someone to kill a person. Yes, I have to admit, as screwed up as our court system is here in America, I can't imagine anyone calling up the cops. Say, I want you to arrest this guy. I hired him to kill my wife, and he just kept the dough. And for our good news item of the week, we have the following. Although I'm not quite sure this completely qualifies as good news in some way, but... Here it is. Apparently, people eager to make some extra cash can now use a smartphone app to rent their toilets to strangers. Yes, apparently, AirPnP works the same way to the home renting service, Airbnb. Reportedly, owners provide a photo of their bathrooms and how much a visit will cost. App users desperate for a bathroom can quickly locate the closest and cleanest commode. One new Airbnb participant renting out a toilet in Brooklyn admits she'd prefer peers to poopers, but says customers are not going to be questioned about what they need the bathroom for. I have to confess, from time to time when I come across a news item, I just have to say, wait a minute, we got to fact check this one. And I was very skeptical when I stumbled on this item, but... I googled it, and it's real. Although, from what I can see, there apparently are no Airbnb customers in my neighborhood yet. And if by chance you've used this service, 
Be sure to drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. I think we better jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Somehow I think we're already there. Anyway, uh, boy, this is a bit of a segue from the last item. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for faking it after the launch of Invisible Boyfriend or Girlfriend, a new app that generates texts, voicemails, and pictures to give users, quote, believable social proof, unquote, that they have a real-life soulmate. It was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for customer satisfaction with the news that a New York City woman has filed a lawsuit against the manufacturer of cushy foot shaping tights because the tights didn't give her, quote, the super satisfied, unquote, feeling promised by the sexually charged advertising. And it was an ugly week last week for any concept of sportsmanship with the news that after a California high school basketball's coach got suspended because his team won a game 161 to 2. Local parents were angered by the suspension, said one, what are you teaching these kids? Are you teaching them to be a loser? And from the week's Only in America section, we have the following. Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts canceled its annual production of the vagina monologues because the play assumes women have vaginas. Reportedly, the women's college now admits transgender students and did not want to offend them. Student leader Aaron Murphy explained that the feminist play, quote, offers an extremely narrow perspective on what it means to be a woman, end quote. Radio Parallax, perhaps the first time in its 12-year run, is speechless. Let's jump into the boring but important section. Again, we're in debt to the week for this. Story is that Attorney General Eric Holder last week barred state and local police from using a federal program to seize property from suspects without a warrant or even criminal charges. Police departments have made more than 55,000 seizures of cash and property worth $3 billion under the, quote, equitable sharing, unquote, program since 2008. In most civil forfeiture cases, the property owner was never charged with a crime. Police spent their share of seizure proceeds, which are split with federal agencies, with little oversight, and in some cases bought luxury cars and high-powered weapons. Yes, folks, we're not talking about the government of Jamaica. We're talking about the United States of America, which, last time I checked, had a constitution. And it should be noted that Holder's new policy does include some exceptions. Police will still be allowed to seize illegal firearms, ammunition, explosives, and property associated with child pornography. All right, in the letters to the editor section, we have, uh, well, it wasn't exactly a letter to the editor, but it was an email sent to Radio Parallax by Graham talking about the following item, which is that Christian bookstores pulled the best-selling afterlife memoir, The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven, after its young co-author, named Alex Malarkey, and no, I'm not making that up, confessed that he made up the story about going to heaven for attention. Now, the 2010 memoir was kind of a staple of the booming heavenly tourism genre. It was inspired by Malarkey's recollection of the two-month coma he endured after being paralyzed in a car accident when he was six. 
Malarkey claimed that during his coma, a spirit lifted him to heaven where he met Jesus and experienced miracles, angels, and life beyond this world. Malarkey, now 16, this week published an online confession admitting he fabricated the tale and that people have profited from lies. His mother claimed Malarkey previously admitted the truth to a pastor but was told to keep quiet. I think I should actually more fully quote from uh, Malarkey's online confession. Said Alex, I said I went to heaven because I thought it would get me attention. When I made the claims that I did, I'd never read the Bible. People have profited from lies and continue to. They should read the Bible, which is enough. The Bible is the only source of truth. Anything written by man cannot be infallible. There's a rousing uh, motto, I think, for the publisher of this book. Anything written by man cannot be infallible. You know, they probably won't embrace the Bible as the only source of truth either. Right, let's take a whack at some of the things that we, uh, we see in, in op-ed pieces, editorials. I stumbled one on the internet for something called Microcap Observer, which sounds like a rather pro-business publication. The headline is, Experts believe that unmanned drones can have a huge impact on American food supply. Notes the piece, according to the experts, drones can help in areas like herding cattle, counting fish, taking animal temperature, applying pesticides, etc. Well, this, this may come from the bad idea file. Mr. Miller thinks this is a good idea. All I can say to that is don't be flying your Cessna around then if there's going to be that many drones in the skies of America that are not talking to air traffic control. If you're flying your Cessna down where I'm herding my cattle, you better watch <laughs> out, mister. Right, well, let's do a little segue into drones. Earlier this week, one crashed into the White House. To quote from the Newswires, a two-foot-long drone, apparently flown by a hobbyist, crashed into the White House Monday in an extraordinary, if unintended, breach that raised fresh questions about the president's security and the growing threat from the sky. A man later came forward to say he was responsible for the mishap in the middle of the night, and he hadn't meant to fly the drone over the complex, said officials. Said Secret Service spokesman Brian Leary, initial indications are this incident occurred as the result of recreational use of the device. Oh, sure, no problem. Yeah, I'm sure he meant to fly the drone over the Arby's on Pennsylvania Avenue. I guess it's going to take somebody putting some C4 explosive on a drone where we really get some action here. Of course, this, I'm not sure this, the Secret Service is going to pay any attention. Back to the news reports. Officials believe the intrusion to be the first of its kind on the White House grounds, although not the first in the vicinity. Low-flying drones like the quadcopter, a craft lifted by four propellers, have become increasingly sophisticated and affordable instruments that authorities worry could also become tools for terrorists or others meaning to do harm. They heard this thing and they heard it crash. <laughs> Apparently, police, fire, and other emergency vehicles swarmed the White House just after it, with several clustered near the southeast entrance. It happened during the night, so the whole White House and perimeter was on lockdown till 5 a.m. when they went outside with uh, flashlights. Anyway, I promise you we'll return to this topic in the future. All right, let's go back to talking about editorializing. I think that uh, nothing is more of an editorial sometimes than a political cartoon. And now, I admit we haven't talked too much about what happened in France with Charlie Hebdo. Fortunately, others have on this station and elsewhere, and I think we're just going to leave that discussion to them. I think we'll move the cartooning uh, talk closer to home and sight. One of our two favorite all-time cartoons, uh, Doonesbury by Gary Trudeau. They noted in the last Sunday's paper in the first, uh, first panel, Mike Doonesbury breaking down the fourth wall and addressing the readers saying, Hi folks, as you can imagine, there's been much excitement here in our shop ever since we heard Jeb Bush was exploring a presidential bid. 
Why? Well, like most explorers, Jeb sets out with a lot of baggage, and unpacking Bush family baggage is what we do. And indeed, over the years, I don't think anybody's been better than Gary Trudeau at puncturing the balloon filled with hot air uh, with a Bush label on it. My understanding is that back in his days at Yale, Mr. Trudeau, as an underclassman, encountered um, a senior, I guess it was, named George W. Bush, who struck Mr. Trudeau even then as an incredibly cocksure, privileged, even for Yale, jerk. And yes, we look forward to whatever it is that Doonesbury is going to chronicle as Jeb Bush does whatever it is that Jeb Bush is going to do. We want to note that freedom of speech is a tough thing. We all are in favor of it in principle, but don't we all wince when we see something being put forward that we don't like? Case in point, yesterday's Sacramento Bee, a full-page paid advertisement by someone named Dale Creasy, describing himself as a scriptural Christian. Apparently, Mr. Creasy felt uh, it was his duty to take out a full page in the Bee to inform us of, among other things, the following. Well, he starts off with, I've noticed no refutation to an opinion on the day following Christmas, with the C-H-R-I-S-T in caps, supporting a lesbian legislator shown kissing her, parentheses, husband or wife, significant other, question mark. While using the Bible, the writer inferred, as he understands the Bible, that God's love forgives certain unnatural sexual activity. However, the Bible specifically states that God forbids it. He goes on slamming the killing of the innocent blood by abortions, but drops down to... God does not approve of any immoral anti-marriage, anti-family sexual activity such as homosexuality and lesbianism, adultery, fornication, and more. Note, the Bible does not use the word homosexual, but, quote, a man lying with a man as with a woman, end quote. Well, thank you for that, Mr. Creasy. But he's not done. He goes on. Homosexual and lesbian actions are specified particularly as immoral sexual activity, both Old and New Testaments. He goes on, God destroyed four homosexual cities because he created the family as the cornerstone of society. I love his closure. Will American pastors realize how holy the Almighty really is? Phew, Mr. McMillan. I won't let that speak for itself, except I do want to note that when all these people like this guy go off on abortion, sit him down if you're stuck with them, and just say, show me, show me in the Bible where it is it says that abortion is wrong. And no, I'm sorry the commandment thou shalt not kill will not cut the mustard on this, because the fact of the matter is, in the Old Testament, the first five books attributed to Moses, all the prophets telling us how we should be, all the rules in Deuteronomy and elsewhere about this is banned and this is how you do it, blah, 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 in the New Testament, all the work of the evangelists and the quotes from Jesus himself all seem to have missed the boat on the question of abortion. In fact, it is a little-known fact among Christians that for 19 centuries, abortion was sanctioned by the various Christian churches. Only in the year 1870 did the Vatican get involved. Of course, not coincidentally at that time, the Vatican's political power was being curtailed by the efforts to make Italy a republic. But I think I'd better just leave it go at that and move on. And you know, this would be an excellent time to mention the fact that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. And I'm pretty certain they don't represent the opinions of Dale Creasy either. But you know, in a free society, we do have to expect that people can express their opinions. That is a good thing. 
We need a free exchange of ideas, and we need the ability to listen to what someone's got to say and come to a different conclusion. And you know, actually, this would be a good time to take a break. So let's do a throwback to what we said earlier in the program and see if we can't go out with some lovely Hawaiian music. In fact, music composed by the last queen of Hawaiian Islands, Liliuokalani. And uh, Gary, be good if you're listening. Uh, drop us a line at info at Radio Parallax and educate us about this composition. Because I know you know something about it. Anyway, this is Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We got lots more. Stick around. <laughs> 